This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone, you are On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com, powered by theracetalk.com and with great thanks to our friends at Truck Assist. Richard Crow with you this week. Tony Shebecki, your regular host, is off on baseball duties. I'm sure there's a podcast coming from that as well. Uh, in the meantime, we've still got an action-packed show to unpick and preview everything that's going on in the motorsport world. We'll start off with a look back at what went on at Pukekohe last weekend, a crazy weekend in races 23 and 24 in the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship and all the controversy that came out of it. We'll attempt to unpick some of the stuff that went on on Sunday there and discuss the Kiwi passion that goes into their annual supercars visit. We'll hear from a legend of Australian open wheel racing in Kevin Bartlett. He'll join us soon to chat about both his history in Formula 5000 and his thoughts on S5000, the brand new category that makes its debut this weekend. That leads into a preview of that with double Australian drivers champion, three-time F3 champion, Tim Macro, who's done a lot of the development work for S5000. He'll be joining us on the grid a little bit later on. All that, a whole lot more in a brand new segment right at the very end of the show called My Greatest Race. We chat to truck assist racing driver Jack LeBrock to find out what pinpoints in his career as his best ever drive. All that and a whole lot more coming your way. This is On The Grid. Right, let's get straight into it and talk about whatever it was that unfolded across the Dutch in New Zealand in races 23 and 24 of the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. Another crazy weekend. And there's one thing to say about supercars this year. They're giving us plenty to talk about it. Uh, to join me in a debrief of whatever it was that happened is the racetalk.com's Mark Walker. G'day, Mark. Richard, uh, I'm here on the psychologist's couch, uh, <laughs> ready to uh, have a bit of an unpacking of whatever the hell that was that happened over there. Uh, it was crazy, wasn't it? You cannot argue that this season hasn't produced its fair share of storylines. Not wrong. I mean, the storyline coming into the weekend was, will the Holdens be competitive? And I think they're back in the game. I think that's fair to say mm. that they were very strong throughout. And the fact that Shane Van Gisbergen took maximum points in the Jason Richards Trophy, won the weekend overall, the Holdens are there. And, you know, fingers crossed they'll be on the money come Bathurst next stop, which is very unusual to say, isn't it? It's still weird to me thinking that the lead into Bathurst is New Zealand. But uh, there we have it. Still, Scott McLaughlin came through for that uh, race win on Sunday. So even honours over the weekend. Interesting from that, but I don't know what happened in race 24. We've tried to unpack it on the race talk in the last couple of days, but the plot thickens. Have you seen some of the comments? And uh, looking at a bit of research, we're going to have to unpack this a bit more. But it appears that Jamie Wincup may have been leading the race after all. And he's passed the safety car for no good reason. Uh, What do you think about that? I don't know what to think. Seriously, when he passed the safety car, I I initially thought there'd be a green light. And and my initial reaction watching it was, oh, no, race control has stuffed this. And Jamie was just being waved through so they would pick up the correct leader. But but that that replay, it's almost like my heart sunk when I saw Jamie had passed it again. And... Yep. I suppose the unpicking of all of this, the the bottom line takeout is never pass the safety car unless it shows the green light. It doesn't matter what you think or what your team believes. Yep. You just cannot pass that safety car until you're told to. 
Absolutely. Um, and the fact that it's Jamie too. Come on, oh, Jamie. No. You know, it cost him a, a Bathurst. You know, he's so determined, so... He's got the killer instinct that he must win at all costs. And it's cost him several times now in his career. Like, even if he didn't win on the weekend, if he just stayed there behind the safety car and McLaughlin was, in fact, leading and he was right in uh, thinking that he had to get past, it would have only advantaged Scott McLaughlin a bit. He would have still been second in the line if that, in fact, was the case that happened. There's other evidence that's popping up to suggest that he was leading, so that would absolutely throw it all out the window. But the act of him passing the safety car there has just thrown the whole race upside down. There were winners and losers as much as people are complaining that they got duped by it, and a lot of people did get duped by it. You've got these really good feel-good stories coming out of it. Toddy Hazelwood up there in P5, career best. Simona with a career best there in seventh. Scott Pye in sixth, a solid result for the Walkinshaw boys, even though he was absolutely peaking that uh, <laughs> a train of lap cars weren't being displayed the blue flags, which he's absolutely rightly so to be furious about it because yeah. those guys were out there a lap down, clearly ahead of lead lap cars, and they weren't showing a blue flag. Yeah, and, and had half-decent pace as well, Scotty, didn't he? Yep. And, and may, wouldn't have won the race, but certainly may have been able to progress his way forward up the order, but... It's endemic of supercars, isn't it? And and we saw the Jack LeBrock, for example, was in enormous squabbles for twenty fourth place. Like the the battling for last was just as hard, if not harder, as it was for the front spot. And because the whole field got jumbled, the battle for last just happened to be halfway up the order after that restart. So um, yeah, so much to unpick. Uh, head to the racetalk.com, folks. We've got some analysis up there and. We'll keep adding and building on that as we go, as more information comes to light. Uh, my question to you, Mark, and we're both race fans first and foremost. We love the sport. We want it to succeed. And our first reaction when this happens is, oh, my God, what have we done? Um, what's the, do you feel, the right outcome now to settle this and to move on? Do, do we need a, they're going to in, in, investigate it internally. They've announced that. But do they need to sit down with, with media at Mount Panorama and go, right, here's the sequence of, unvent, of events. Here's where we went wrong. Here's where we went right. Here's what happened. Put your hand up. Go, we, we've acknowledged everything that went on and we've improved. Is that what needs to be the outcome out of this? Or, or the contrary to that is that Jamie Winkup just blew it for everyone. I mean, that could be yeah. the other outcome out of this. You know, they're, they're going to have to look into it. I think they have a reasonable idea of what went on there and obviously all the the timing data is available i assume that they'd have a recording of all the race control chat Mm. to uh go through they've obviously got all the hawkeye footage from every angle so they'd have no dramas there knowing exactly where all the cars were on the circuit at the exact moment that the safety car was deployed but there is a lot of little factors there that that come into play at pukakoi you had that long pit lane long pit lane exit that really uh, mixed things up. It was in the middle of a green flag cycle of pit stops. So you had guys who'd already been in the pits, like Wind Cup. He's already had his service. He's already back out there in the circuit. He had so many different factors come into play. The day before, we had a, a safety car at pretty much the same spot in the race. But the safety car picked up the leader. Everyone stayed in line. You had winners and losers, as you do under any safety car situation. But there was none of this big blow-up. So... They'll look at it. They'll learn from it. Everyone will learn from it. And uh, hopefully 
they do present a bit of analysis for it. Or failing that, why doesn't the race talk just present the analysis ourselves and cut out the middleman? Yeah, well, that's that's a fair call. And I think we're already halfway there with, with what we've rolled out so far. So check it out, folks. We'd love your feedback. Leave a comment. Be nice, but leave a comment, and we'd love to see what you think. Um, how good's Pukakoe? It, it's a super place. We've both been there. It, it's fast. It's high speed. Even with the resurfacing, it's still bumpy and is a massive workout for the dampers and the setup of these cars. It's got to be one of the most spectacular venues on our calendar, right? You just like places that are different, don't you? Mm. I mean, it's I, my favourite track all year is Surface Paradise because it's so insane. It's just unlike completely anything else. Pukekohe's right up there as well. You saw those slow-mos during the New Zealand muscle cars of cars catching air going down the straight on the bumps. Yeah. Absolutely insane. But that's what you want in a racetrack is something a bit nuts. You know, I grew up at Lakeside, and it's very much out of that same cookie-cutter mould that, you know, there's just fences everywhere, there's consequences. That run onto the pit straight's insane. Fortunately, this year, no one had a big wad up there, especially Fabian Coulthard, but... <laughs> It's just an absolute on-edge bit of track. And if you have one slight wobble, you're in the wall. So it was good to see everyone get through the weekend. They've all got nice, straight, clean cars that they can uh, go and tinker with, rebuild, and uh, lob up to Bathurst on the front foot. And the other thing worth noting about uh, is the passion of both the drivers and the Kiwi fans. Um, We got an inkling of it when Scotty had his spin in qualifying on Sunday and the a football crowd-style roar in the background as he caught it and kept it out of the fence, as you touched on. Um, but but just a couple of figures, Mark. 42,000 there on Sunday is the figure reported by stuff.co.nz, which is the Kiwis version of news.com.au. Um, the only sporting event with a bigger single-day crowd in New Zealand is the Bledisloe Cup at Eden Park in Auckland. So that shows you how rabid they are for supercars over there. That's a big tick. 114,000 over the three days, which is a terrific crowd. Um, for a venue that's 55 minutes outside of the city itself, outstanding job. But how's the how's the vibe and the feeling when Scotty climbed the fence, did his Elio Castroneves in front of his faithful people, and, and even when Shane Van Gisbergen lifted the JR Trophy, just such a great reaction. Oh, and Shane in tears. Yes. Like, that's cool. Like that, It meant something, didn't it? I mean, he's won the trophy before, but... Mm. Winning it again, that was pretty cool to see some proper emotion there. How big a difference does, well, it wasn't quite 12 months, but a year make the difference in the rivalry there? Because last year they were parking each other in. There was a full-blown niggle between those two, Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin. Which this was year great. There, which is fantastic. But on the same, on the flip side, I think it's still great that there was respect there, rolling around side-by-side side in the cool-down lap. Like, that was pretty cool as well. But to see them both so passionate, so pumped up, the crowd right into it. How, how can how can these drivers replicate that at every other round they go to? Can we get drivers that fired up to have a win at Winton? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't you know. know. Like, can, like, I love Winton, but I don't Kiwis. think it generates the same kind of emotion. <laughs> but you see these New Zealand drivers, they roll into Pukekohe and they go full Greg Murphy spec. Yeah. You know, it would be <laughs> awesome to see this sort of thing happen uh all around the place. But, uh, yeah, good weekend of racing from those guys. Well, uh, there, there are only a couple of other places, I think, that elicit that kind of reaction. One of them's the Adelaide 500 because it's round one. Everyone's yep. fresh and there's a massive sea of people. It's that same stadium effect. Yep. And the other one's Bathurst for obvious yep. reasons. Um, 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, talking about Bathurst, Scott McLaughlin leads the championship by 598 points, basically two full events. What it does is means it's completely gloves off for Bathurst. That's the race that Penske now must win. It's the one that's not on their radar out of everything they race in. Um, he's got a, a nearest makes no difference two-round buffer. So he could be out on lap one. He'd still lead the championship by 300 points if the guy in second, Shane Van Gisbergen, wins the race. So he's got a massive margin. It's gloves off, isn't it, Bathurst, for McLaughlin and Alex Premat. They will throw everything at winning the great race. Premat's good, but do you think he's Bathurst winner spec good? Oh. Like, I think that could be the one weak link there. Mm. Like he's not, he's not race race fit. He's very good around Bathurst. He's been up there in the podium with SVG when he was a Triple Eight, and obviously. Triple Eight rated him enough to give him a drive. I mean, they don't go and put turkeys in their car. They know what they're doing. Um, I think that could be the weak link there because if Red Bull HRT turn up there and they're on the money, they've yeah. got the driver combinations yeah. in both cars, don't they? Yeah. And if their car's in the ballpark, they can have four drivers that can bash out the lap times all day long. So I think that's going to be the challenge there for Scotty. Um, obviously, you can jam out a big double stint on the way home and uh, and bring it home with a wet sail, but uh, time will tell. Yeah, and then there's the Tickford Racing Factor because I think they've got some good combos as well that will see them in good shape. So, uh, and go the, on. the Erebus Factor. Well, well exactly like, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would go and put a... If I had five bucks spare to gamble with, <laughs> I'd go and put on Anton and Will Brown. Yeah. Because why not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Will Brown is driving terrifically well at the moment in anything he steers and he'll be uh, on the S5000 grid this weekend, believe it or not, in an open wheeler. Uh, more Bathurst previews down the road of course here on, on the grid. We'll have a massive preview the week before the great race with uh, everything you need to know and uh, our tips, which means they're the ones you don't put money on because we'll unquestionably get it wrong, but such is the nature of that place. Uh, quickly, what what other takeouts from the weekend, Mark? Um, I, I thought Nick Perkat and Brad Jones Racing did a super job again Nick's having a, a brilliant season. In the history books, it probably won't be remembered, but he is punching so far above his weight at the moment. 100%. Um, and it's just, it's putting Tim Slade in the shade, isn't he? It's just absolutely uh, smoking him. He was unfortunate to be turned around there at the start of the Sunday race, but obviously he got fourth on merit there uh, come Sunday. Uh, that, that incident on Saturday... It took so long. They, why did they not make a call on that? Obviously, the, they came out and said the next day that they wanted to check the footage to make sure that other cars weren't involved. But yeah, I, come on. That like, was pretty cut it, and dry. It was dry. pretty obvious. Pretty cut and dry, wasn't it? I mean, barrel into their hairpin and fence somebody. And they replayed it 57 times in the broadcast. So, yeah, that, that was a strange one. Uh, and I appreciate they wanted to check the onboard vision and, and all the DSO cameras. But... Yeah, that was a surprise. I, I didn't. I don't like results changing after the fact. Sometimes that has to happen, but in circumstances like that, where in the past it's an instant 15-second penalty or a, a drive-through, uh, yeah, that was that was a surprise. And the thing there, though, Rich, if Winkup got his 15-second penalty at the start of the race, he'd serve that in his first pit stop. Yep. Then he'd have a chance to come back from it. Correct. But 15 seconds post-race, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. It's all over. Um, Gary Rogers Motorsport. Uh, what what's going on there? They they have been in the knot on the racetalk.com power rankings more often than anybody else this season for various reasons. 
And then from a potential four top tens, they got three on the weekend. The Saturday one completely and utterly legitimate on pace for Richie Stanaway. And then they copped an assist from the dramas on Sunday, but got two cars in the 10 with a, a good drive from Stanaway to ninth and Jamie Golding, Bieber to 10th. Um, but, but legitimately not uncompetitive, which has been a, a great story for that team, which has just been up against the wall all season long. It was amazing. I mean, especially after Richie went out there and fenced it first thing Friday morning. I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. We're back on this program. But it was amazing. They turned it around. So uh, hopefully that, you know, Bathurst is a similar sort of style circuit. So hopefully they can keep that uh, that good times going, come Bathurst, and um, and keep the form, form going for their own sake. And last but not least, uh, support categories. We like seeing what the Kiwis have got to offer. Uh, on our theracetalk.com group chat. We singled out Kiwi Formula Ford, though, didn't we? Formula Ford's pretty sketchy at Pukekohe, but they produced some terrific racing and proof again that uh, the Kiwi talent pool was incredibly deep. Yeah, that's frightening, isn't it? <laughs> you have to worry. That's the next thing that's coming up. Yeah, Formula Ford's are nuts. Yeah, Formula Ford's are nuts anywhere. Yep. Rich, we've, we've been there. We've followed Formula Ford. Yeah, it's still great in Australia. Yeah. Uh, even though it's running on lesser programs these days, it's still churning out lots of good drivers doing great things. Uh, New Zealand Touring Cars, that was uh, the NZ V8. So it was a bit weird. It was a bit of a butcher's picnic there mm. in the weekend. That's a category trying to regroup. Uh, the Trans Am's insane. Yep. Uh, fortunately, Welcome. none of them got put into orbit because <laughs> they'd still be going. Sang Yong Utes. They should be what Super Utes <laughs> are not. Yep. <laughs> or Super Utah yeah. should be what they are. Like, just sketchy. Brilliant fun. Just just cheap and binnable. Yeah. Well, that's what you want out of a class like that, <laughs> exactly. isn't it? It's just hit and giggle. Grown it's up, fantastic. Grown-up Hyundai XL Racing. I like it. Uh, fantastic. Great weekend. Uh, we're looking forward to Mount Panorama. But uh, first things first, we've got to talk about what's coming up this weekend, Mark. But before we do that, uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park, a couple of weeks ago at the Painter Dixon Sydney Master Blast, you and I were very lucky enough to catch up with one of the all-time legends of Australian motorsport. And with the debut of S5000 this weekend at Sandown, we thought it would be good to catch up with one of the greats of F5000. Multiple Gold Star champion Kevin Bartlett joins us on the grid. KB, pretty special moment here at Sydney Motorsport Park. Tell us a bit about this car you're standing in front of. The uh, T330 Lola. New car in uh, 1973, late 73. Did a f- five races here in Australia, Sandown, Phillip Island, um, Surface Paradise, a couple of other r- smaller races, uh, in preparation for the Tasman Series in New Zealand. We took it in New Zealand January 1974. At uh, Levin Raceway, it ran quite well. We, we were quite happy with the car. Uh, my mechanics had set it up beautifully and we'd had a lot of experience with Lola's and I went to uh, the next race at Pukekohe Park and uh, in qualifying put it into the fence and uh, I, uh, I come out of that a little bit bent myself and the car was bent quite badly we actually had to dispose of the actual tub but kept a lot of the bits and pieces and uh, Lucky for me and lucky for everybody, really, that uh, Jeff Walters has taken up the uh, 
gamble with it and uh, build it into exactly what it was. It looks exactly as it was when we built it as it come out of England. Yeah. And is this the first time you've seen this car since New Zealand? Absolutely, yeah. It's astounding. I've seen a couple of photographs with the body on, the body off and that sort of thing, but there's nothing like the real thing, is there? There's not. What was, as a package, what was this particular car like to drive? Fantastic car to drive. All the Formula 5000s were great cars to drive. Uh, I, I drove a variety of 5000s. Uh, there was a, a monocoque, Mildred monocoque Chevrolet uh, in 71. Uh, nine, late 1970, 71, and then my McLaren M10B in 72, my Lola T300 in 72, 3, and the T300, or 330 rather. Um, once, we'd, uh, once we'd crashed that though, the, there was a model evolution called the T332, so I replaced the 330 with a 332 and then on to the Lola T400 and the Brabham BT43. So I was a pretty dedicated Formula 5000 racer, let me tell you. It was a great period in the sport, wasn't it? Amazing names and amazing cars and great racing too. It was, it really was. And uh, I'm really pleased to see that the continuance is going to happen with this S5000. They're a real car. Uh, Engine-wise, they'll be a lot more reliable than what we used to have because it was early days of any of that Formula 5000 stuff uh, was pretty experimental for us here in Australia. We had to use a lot of American bits and pieces and we didn't really know half the time whether we were buying quality or, or also ran stuff. And uh, with this uh, S5000 formula, those guys have got a really good package. It's an exciting time, isn't it? Because Australia's lacked a big banger open wheel category for a long time. It's the sound of big V8 powered wings and slicks cars is pretty exciting to see. We didn't run with mufflers though; they sounded a lot better. <laughs> but the, uh, even with the mufflers on, they still they're still a brute thing. You can hear the power coming out even with the mufflers on. But as I say, you know, straight through exhaust, half of us half of us are deaf because of it. <laughs> Um, just go back to the crash, just for a minute, how badly were you beaten up out of that impact? Uh, I had uh, substantially just all the left side, it was uh, uh, the feet, knee, tib, fib, new pelvis, uh, broken and blah blah blah, but basically that's all it was, I was never lost consciousness, so I, I got out of the car and stepped out of the car. Uh, and then realised I didn't have a left leg working too well and fell over. <laughs> but apart from that, uh, four or five months of rehabilitation. And um, when I got back, uh, I got back into the car that they'd built for me, the T330, went to Oran Park and got very close to the lap record there within about five laps. So I'd overcome that little problem, you know, that what could have been a thought problem. Never happened to me. And... Uh, I had a visit in hospital in uh, March, April from John Goss, would you partner me with, as I had the year before in his Falcon, and we went to Bathurst and of course the rest is history. Yeah. We won that. Yeah. What's it like to see this car again finally? Oh it's great, yeah, it's, I, I, can't, I just can't wait to see it actually on the track as soon as he's finished it off. You have a drive? No, I don't think I will. 
<laughs> I'd be very tempted though. <laughs> getting in's all right, getting out might be the problem. But I'm, I'm not far off the old racing weight. I'm, I'm within a kilo and a half or two kilos of the old racing weight. So maybe I could, maybe, who knows. Okay, Ray, thanks for your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Trucks aren't just big utes. They've got air brakes, 24-volt systems, more tyres, and they carry heavy things. So when things go wrong, why call a roadside service for cars? Call Truck Assist, Australia's 24-7 roadside assistance specialist for trucks of all sizes. They help with everything from flat tyres and batteries to hoses and mechanical repairs. No matter what, no matter when, rely on truckassist.com.au. Right, on to this weekend. It's a massive weekend at Sandown Raceway for the Shannons Nationals as well as TCR Australia. The grand finale of the Kumo Super 3 Series, which has been incredible this year. Porsche Michelin GD3 Cup Challenge and a whole bunch more. For open wheel purists, it's going to be a slice of heaven because it's the start of the brand new S5000 category. And joining us on the line is someone who knows a thing or two about it. He's been the development driver of this car since it first launched three years ago. He's seen all of the different iterations of it. He's a multiple gold star champion, and his name is Tim Macro. He joins us on the grid. G'day, Timmy. Hey, fellas. How are we? Yeah, good. Um, I imagine things are reasonably busy for you as we speak. It's <laughs> Tuesday night before the weekend. Uh, mad preparations to get a race car on track. Does this feel like your old Formula 3 days? It does, actually. All I need is Dad to go and get the trailer from uh, out the back of work and uh, get the rag top off it and wheel it in. Um, it's been a busy, busy couple of weeks down at GRM getting all these cars ready. My car's actually, I'm just watching it now, getting wrapped as we speak, ready for testing tomorrow. So it's uh, better late than never, but it's all, all going to plan. Hey, this is exciting, isn't it? And, and you're as big an yep. open-wheel fan as anyone I know. Uh, you've, you've ridden the highs and lows of wings and slicks racing in this country for the last 15 years. But more importantly, you've been part of this project since day one. How exciting is it to finally get these things on track in a racing capacity? Oh, it's, it's super exciting. It's been, I think it's nearly been five years since Chris came up with the idea. And so it's been a pretty long process. We've had a couple of different cars along the way and, a, and another car we probably won't talk about. And, um, <laughs> and um, to get to this point is just really exciting. And the car is cool. Uh, the crowd's going to love it. It's going to sound just awesome, especially 15 of them going down the main street of Phillip Island um, and Sandown as well. So uh, I just can't wait to get in the thing. And then, geez, we're going to have some pretty good drivers there too. So it's uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, on that, Tim, you know, we've seen a lot of Formula 5000s over the years at Historic Mates, and typically they're driven by older gentlemen just out there looking after themselves. But mm -hmm. we've got some proper talent in this field, so it's going to be absolutely on like Donkey Kong. It's it's going to be on for young and old, like it's, and they're all young actually. <laughs> um, but it's 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 just going to be fantastic. The talent in the field is just top class, and of course we've got you know guys like Rubens coming along as well, which is just amazing. So I just can't wait to get out there with these guys because it's just going to be proper and it's going to be on and there's not going to be any hanging around. You know, we're going to be throwing up, throwing it up the inside and everyone's going to be having a fair old crack and we're going to put on a show. And I think it's what, um, you know, what the crowd want to see, good, hard, open-wheel racing, fast cars. You know, what more do you want? It's going to be spectacular. Uh, you've driven this car more than anybody over the journey and it's developed and changed a lot. Do, do you have an advantage? Mm. Does it give you a leg up this weekend? 
Look, I reckon anyone worth their salt will jump straight in the thing and be pretty comfortable because we've tried to make it as comfortable car to drive as possible. So all these guys are going to get in it tomorrow who haven't driven it, and you know it'll you know within 20 laps they're going to be on the pace. So I don't I don't know how big of an advantage I'll have. Obviously, you know I've done a few laps in the thing. Really, the car has changed probably over the last couple of months more so than it's changed at any time during the year, just with the final bits coming onto it. So I actually haven't driven the car with all the bits on it. Mm. So, for example, the final rear end got wheeled onto my car, which is the test car, um, last night. So uh, that's the first time I'll drive with the proper finished product. So, yeah, I'll have probably a little bit of advantage at first, but these guys will jump into these into these cars and they'll be on the money straight away. And, this, you know, the cars will be relatively um, set up already. Um, like, you know, there's no hiding of information here, that sort of stuff. So the cars are set up properly straight out uh, of the factory and they'll be able to jump in them and go fast straight away. Big bad sand down too. I mean, it's yeah. just a match made in heaven, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, I actually went out there the other day because I was doing some work for a car company and uh, they've done a little bit of resurfacing, resurfacing for the first time in about 20 years, I reckon. <laughs> and obviously, they've moved the wall over the top as well. But it's still going to be big, bad sand down. And apparently, it's going to be a bit wet too. So that's going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons because I reckon I haven't driven it in the wet and I think the car's done probably three laps in the wet with the with the Hoosier tyre on there. So it's um it's going to be pretty interesting if it is wet. But Sandown, well, I love Sandown. Like, I mean, I loved it driving F3 cars around there and even the Formula Ford back in the day. It is just awesome. And I'm going to really enjoy this car around there. Uh, let's look big picture for a second. And, and we only know what the short-term future of this category is, though it's been announced now mm-hmm. that... The category will race at the Grand Prix next year, which is a huge addition to any calendar, Massive. let alone a, a start-up category. Um, Gold Star's got to be in the equation here somewhere, and, and you won two of them in the Formula 3 days, as, when it was as competitive as it's ever been. But with your love of the history of the sport and the fact that your dad had such an incredible career, I'm, I'm sort of answering my own question here, but it, it just makes sense <laughs> for this to become Gold Star down the road, doesn't it? Look, I would have thought so. Um, you know, it's it's been a while since we've actually, when you think about it, um, that we've actually had a premier open-wheel category mm. in Australia, not a development one. And that's what this is. It's a premier category. It's, you know, it's, it's this weekend, I reckon, it's almost top billing along with TCR. So, you know, and hopefully it gets the crowd back into open-wheel racing again. Like, I remember when Dad raced back in the early 80s, the, Form- the Formula Mondial and the Formula Atlantic cars and-, and the 5000s back then were the top billing. That's what people were coming to watch. And I think that's what they're trying to, you know, get with this category. They're trying to make it, you know, uh, be at the top of the billing again. And I can't see why this shouldn't be a Gold Star class. And I'm really hoping that they do give it to Gold Star. Did you ever think you'd be racing against Rubens? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I remember when they told me, I thought, that's that's pretty bloody awesome, isn't it? Like, you know, a Grand Prix winner, you know, the guy beat Schumacher sometimes, you know, even pulled over for him a couple of times. So it's, um, it's, it's just awesome. And I met him, I remember meeting him back in 1994 when he was uh, running with Jordan because Jordan, we did a go-kart race in the middle of the Adelaide Grand Prix. And I do actually remember, even though I was a young fella, I do remember that he was just a ripping bloke and he's pretty normal and all that sort of stuff. And he's really excited. Like, he is super excited to come out and do this and hopefully comes back and does it a bit more too. Like, hopefully comes to the Grand Prix next year and, and has a run. And, you know, um, I think it's it's been really good publicity for the category too and all that sort of stuff. So I reckon it's just brilliant all, all round, to be honest.
Let's talk teams, and, and it's funny you mentioned Rubens, and he's driving for Team BRM, which is an outfit you mm-hmm. won a championship with and you work with as an engineer every now and then. Um, mm-hmm. So are you going to go and beat beat your mates there, ideally? But Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, tell, tell me about the, the team setup you've got, and, and you've reunited yep. with an old mate of yours as well. Well, I've reunited with Bruin, uh, Bruin Beasley, and with the MTech crew. Um, they're fantastic. Like, I mean, they they run a TRS uh, program over in New Zealand, and they just do an absolutely fantastic job. And to be honest, um, Bruin gave me my first driver coaching gig back in 2006. You know, looking at people's data and doing all that sort of stuff and helping the young blokes. So, um, I've had a really long association with them, but. Um, they do a really good job. They're really, really professional. I helped them in a driver coaching role at the Grand Prix um, when we just got given a couple of Formula Fours the the week before, and um, you know, and we did a really good job. We finished on the podium a couple of times. So, um, you know, there's no problem with there. The team are going to do a fantastic job, and I really can't wait to to really get in there. Uh, you're the man who should know. What's going to be the key to getting one of these cars? to last over race distance. Looking after the tyres, what's going to be the key to success this weekend? Yeah, it's going to be a combination that um, I've actually got to really read through how it's all going to work with the qualifying and everything, but it is going to be... um, I think the tyre we've gone for is is pretty durable, to be honest, so um, I think the tyre will hang in there. So um, I don't think you'll see too many people conserving, and particularly we have two sets of tyres this weekend, so I think we can really get stuck into it over all the races. Um, I think it'll be just somebody will just nail the setup um, early, and that's uh, what it's going to be all about is really getting the car to your liking, especially over at Sandown. If you're comfortable with how the car feels, how it rides the curb and the bumps, um, you know, you'll be fast. So it'll be that person who gets that right early on that, you know, that'll be up the front. So, um, look, there's a few factors, but, you know, I, I reckon the, uh, I can't wait to the last race, the big final. It's just going to be awesome, you know. And um, I think, oh, you know, the car's been really good. It's been really reliable. So I just don't um, see there going to be any conversation. I think it's just going to be flat-out racing the whole time. Uh, it's a unique <laughs> format, Timmy, with, with two qualifying races with, with jumbled grids and you'll pick where you start heat one and then you, that'll be inverted for heat two. Uh, and yep. then the points from the two set the grid for the, the feature race on Sunday, which is something a little bit different. So they're trying to mix up the race formats and that's just going to add another variable, won't it? Absolutely. And, you know, it's going to be interesting, the strategies that people have a look at and, and see what they come up with. So I'll just leave that to my engineer and um, hopefully he'll sort it out <laughs> and make the right choice because then if he gets it wrong, I can blame him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, Richard, one one for you, Richard. Are you going to be on the fence or at the back of the grandstand? Because I think you are the biggest fanboy of <laughs> open wheel racing in this country. Where are you going to be situated? Uh, Mark, I will be in the commentary box. Beautiful. Oh, That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. yeah I, I, you would Seriously, I, I would lock myself in there and kick everybody else out if they hadn't given me the gig. So uh, it was it was kind of it was I wasn't going to miss this. Uh, and and like Tim, who was driving, I was there at Sydney Motorsport Park three years ago when when Chris ran out the the very first prototype of this car. And, uh, I've been as big a believer as anyone. I'd like to think uh, along the journey. So it's going to be good. Um, last one, Tim. Before we let you go to finish wrapping your race car um, mm-hmm. and getting ready for a test day at Phillip Island, um, is this going to be what we hope it is in terms of exciting, fast, sideways, brilliant open wheel racing? Do, do you feel like the ingredients are there for this to be what a lot of people are, are hoping and dreaming it can be? Absolutely. Like the car, it moves around. 
Um, it sounds awesome, and that's a big thing. And it's it's just a big thumper, isn't it? Like you've seen it um, when we've run it at Sydney Motorsport Park, and unfortunately at Sandown we'll have the mufflers on. But when we can run it wide open from occasion, it's just unbelievable. And I think the crowd are going to love it. It's going to bring them to the fence. Um, and with all the good drivers we have in the field this weekend as well, it's just going to be a, a you know a really good recipe. And you know. I just reckon it's going to be the best thing that's happened to open wheels uh, racing in Australia for a long time. And I just can't wait for the weekend to start, to be honest. You and me too, my friend. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. Go well this weekend. No worries. Thanks, boys. Well, in a new series here on The Grid, we've been asking some of the best drivers in the land about their favourite race. What stands out? What's a magical memory from their racing career? We start this week with techno truck assist racing driver Jack LeBrock. He's racing in the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship, but his history is in Formula Ford and Australian GT competition amongst a host of other categories. Our own Mark Walker sat down with Jack to find out what his favourite race was. Jack LeBrock, your best ever race. Tell us about it. Uh, best one for me would be GD3 at Phillip Island back in 2013 with um, the Erebus uh, SLS. So, yeah, it was just one of those cool events, cool circuit, freshly surfaced. There's no tyre deg or bugger all anyway. And, um, yeah, awesome car. Um, got to go around there and, um, yeah, the two one-hour races and stuff like that was pretty awesome. And then the Sunday race, just getting more used to the car and just the ability to, to press on and have a bit more fun was, um, yeah, it's just one of those awesome circuits, which is a... I suppose really um, shows what the car can do and it's, it's good fun as a driver to be able to drive something with that much aero and that much grunt around a circle like that. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to, to win that race and, um, yeah, have a lot of fun doing it. Lap record too, which I think still stands. Yeah, yep, still got it. I still remember the number, 2715. So, um, yeah, that's no, pretty cool. I was watching it pretty closely this year when Jamie was there. I think he pit me on the qualifying one, but, um, yeah, still got the the race uh, record there. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to, I suppose, still um, have that standing and, um, yeah, any chance, I suppose, to get to drive a GT3 car around there is pretty special. I mean, you'd had a bit of experience around Phillip Island with the Formula 3, so a bit of aero there would have helped. I mean, you did very well there in Formula Ford before that, so you certainly knew your way around the track, but uh, a bit of high grip in the GT3 car would have come in handy. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just come off the back of a couple F3 races. Um, so obviously come from high aero, high grip. So the GD3 step wasn't as difficult as what it could have been. But um, yeah, no, it's very cool. Any, any chance I get to drive a car there is pretty awesome. And I've um, always had good results there back in Formula Ford. And then later on, uh, we went through there in uh, DVS and, and so on. So a uh, place I love. And um, yeah, the GD3 car just makes it a lot, lot cooler. And the field was pretty cool too, because you you're up against John Bow, for instance. Like there are a few decent steerers in that field. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was pretty cool racing against JB at the time. I was someone that um, had helped me early on and it was a bit of a, I suppose, uh, guidance um, at stages through through my Formula Ford and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool racing against him and, um, yeah, just have the, the chance to drive one of those cars is pretty cool. And then post-2013, 2014, you rolled onto the Bathurst 12-hour with Erebus and that car wound up on the podium there. So that would have been a pretty cool day. That was a challenging day in itself uh, with a bit of skippy issues at the start. Yeah, the 12 hour was unreal to actually end up on the podium with the damage we had with half a front splitter and no front guard and all sorts of stuff going on was uh, pretty cool. But yeah, fortunately, I started the race and it was only six or seven laps in and we got a kangaroo. So uh, 
yeah, made the, the race a lot more difficult. But um, yeah, that was a pretty cool experience with uh, Will Davo and uh, Greg Crick. So um, yeah, any chance you get supposed to get to stand the podium there at um, Bathurst is awesome, and the, and the 12 hour even makes it more special. Well, that's it for this week on The Grid. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. And don't forget to check out all of the other content here on mypodcasthouse.com. It really is a world of content under one roof. TheRacetalk.com's got all your news, views and opinion from the motor racing world and our team of contributors will continue that rolling. And our great mates at Truck Assist, powered by NTI, we thank them for their support. Finally, from me, get to Sandown this weekend. It's going to be a cracking weekend, as well as S5000 and TCR Australian GTs there. The Porsche Michelin GT3 Cup Challenge is always brilliant. And the showdown for the Kumo Tyre Super 3 Series. Four drivers split by less than 80 points. Any one of them can win the title. Very much worth getting out. And 10% of all ticket sales go towards charity as well. Get to Sandown. It's going to be great. Tony Shebecki's back next week for another episode of On The Grid. Until then, it's goodbye from the team. We'll speak to you soon on The Grid. And don't forget to check out all of the other content here on mypodcasthouse.com. It really is a world of content 
under one roof. The Racetalk.com's got all your news, views and opinion from the motor racing world and our team of contributors will continue that rolling. And our great mates at Truck Assist, powered by NTI, we thank them for their support. Finally, for me, get to Sandown this weekend. It's going to be a cracking weekend, as well as S5000 and TCR Australian GTs there. The Porsche Michelin GT3 Cup Challenge is always brilliant. And the showdown for the Kumo Tyre Super 3 Series. Four drivers split by less than 80 points. Any one of them can win the title. Very much worth getting out. And 10% of all ticket sales go towards charity as well. Get to Sandown. It's going to be great. Tony Shebecki's back next week for another episode of On The Grid. Until then, it's goodbye from the team. We'll speak to you soon on The Grid.